The teachings of General Conference are the considerations the Lord would have before us now and in the months ahead. Our marching orders for each six months are found in the General Conference addresses. For the next six months, your conference edition of the Ensign should stand next to your standard works and be referred to frequently. I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I exhort you to study the messages of this conference frequently, even repeatedly, during the next six months. You're listening to the Conference Talk Podcast, where it's conference weekend every weekend. Each weekend, we discuss talks from the most recent General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's right. We'll share some insights, make some connections, and have a bit of fun as we study the words of the awesome men and women that God has called to direct His Church in the latter days. I'm Kevin Stanfill. And I am Shelby Stanfill. In this episode, we're talking about Elder Ulysses Soros' talk called In Partnership with the Lord. This was, I I think, a hidden gem in conference. Yeah, I remember listening to it and thinking, wow, this talk is for the mothers and the fathers, uh, you know, of families and even single mothers and fathers on what your role is as a mom or a dad or that role together and what that means. Just very straightforward in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. You know, as we dig deeper into the talk, we see that the Lord has, he created the family in order to ensure that children have the best possible chance of returning to him who is their eternal father, right? And we as as earthly mothers and fathers, we get the opportunity to join in partnership with him, our father, in serving and nurturing and presiding over uh, aspects of the family. And then we get to learn what it's like to be like Heavenly Father and do his work. That was perfectly said. I almost think we should just end there. No, definitely not. Not (laughs) with me. We got more. If I may, I wanted to start by reading an excerpt from the family, A Proclamation to the World. I think it sets us up well for this talk, uh, for diving into this talk. It says, by divine design, fathers are to preside over their families in love and righteousness and are responsible to provide the necessities of life and protection for their families. Mothers are primarily responsible for the nurture of their children. In these sacred responsibilities, fathers and mothers are obligated to help one another as equal partners. If we can, let's go off a thought that I just had um, about what it means to preside. Because Elder Soares actually gives a definition of presiding. To preside means to help lead family members back to dwell in God's presence. Isn't that amazing with the definition that you started us off with at the very beginning? By divine design, fathers are to preside over their families in love and righteousness. That's a pretty, when you dive into that definition of preside, that's a pretty big task to put on a father. Not only does it say you are 
to provide temporarily as well, but also <laughs> the spiritual um, to get back. But that is where you may feel intimidated, right? Like if you could feel intimidated by that task, but here is where Heavenly Father divinely designed families to step in and let me give you a help meet, which he talks about. Mm-hmm. And by the way, this um, conference talk has the family proclamation quoted all throughout it in the footnotes. So he's really taking principles from this the entire time. And so anyway, I just had to give that definition. And also there's the definition of nurture that a mother has. Yeah. And I'd, I'd like to read that one um, to, to also quote Elder Soares. He says, the restored gospel of Jesus Christ proclaims the principle of full partnership between woman and man, both in mortal life and in the eternities. Although each possesses specific attributes and divinely appointed responsibilities, woman and man fill equally relevant and essential roles in God's plan of happiness for his children. With that being said, mothers uh, are primarily responsible, again, for the nurture of their children. And he says, to nurture means to nourish, teach, and support family members, which is done by helping them to learn gospel truths and develop faith in Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ in an environment of love. And, you know, again, it in, in the actual proclamation to the world uh, about the family, it talks about how adjustments or adaptations may be necessary, and it can be due to all types of scenarios, right? Disability and, uh, and other situations that cause maybe one partner to pick up some of those responsibilities um, on, on, you know, on a spectrum, right? However, it's, it's important to distinguish between these two partners that we, you know, divinely designed, uh, not we did, but Heavenly Father <laughs> divinely designed the family to have and to, to con- consist of. So, um, what else did you want to say about that, Sean? I just wanted to say, I have a lot of things to say, mm-hmm. but what I'll start by saying right now is the concept of a helpmeet and what that means in partnership with the Lord is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And it just shows to me how the Lord really knew what he was doing and is doing. Okay. I say that all the time. The Lord knows what he's doing. Now, we can compare and contrast this to the world that we live in right now. The role of marriage that it's taking on, marriage is being redefined in so many different ways. And just look on the news for that. But the world would have it be, let me focus on me, 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 and develop myself in my marriage. And before I have children, right? Like before I do these things. And it's almost like having children is almost perceived as this stop. It's going to stop your own personal progression. When in fact, uh, being married and having children is like the, the, what do you call it? Right before you leap off, it's like your jumping point to spring into higher, (laughs) like higher ground and, and develop more personally because of your marriage with uh, your spouse, your, your husband or your wife. And 
your children that you bring into that world subsequently. And so this whole concept, you know, can be looked at and it can look very to the world like y'all need to get with the times. But as a matter of fact, we don't because the Lord knows what he's doing and we can take confidence in that and his divinely inspired rules. Are we going to be perfect at it? No. Are we going to be perfect help needs to our partners? Of course not. We're going to fail at times, but that is the point of the gospel is to continually improve. And in a marriage, you're continually improving with your spouse and with the Lord there guiding you together. And so I think that is something important to keep in mind that you're not going to be perfect at all these things that Elder Soares is saying, what a help me does and what a mother does and what a father does. You are going to continually get better every day as you repent and you keep going and you counsel with your partner about these things. Because that you guys being on the same in a marriage, being on the same page, when you're on the same page with your spouse, then it makes it so much easier to guide and teach and provide for your children because they know mom and dad are united and they'll be able to feel that sense of security. And so, I don't know. I don't know really where that was going, but just the fact that having a help me, having the savior, having all of this come together in one, it just testifies to me of Heavenly Father's knowledge and his um, love for us. Yeah, those thoughts really, again, I just, I heard in between the words and and, and occasionally you did say the word unity, mm-hmm. right? That unity that exists when a man and a woman are are working together uh, with, with their focus on Jesus Christ. And I've, I can share a quote that he says, he says, they walk side by side as equals, the divine offspring of God. They become one in thought, desire, and purpose with our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, leading and guiding the family unit together. And so I think that's important to realize. He talks about that the father is not higher than the mother and the mother is not higher than the father. It is literally them walking side by side together, guiding their family with the help of Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ leading the way. You know, Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ You always hear that advice when you first get married that, oh, you put Jesus Christ at the center of the triangle at the top, and then you put you over in the other corner and your spouse over in the other corner. And that, you know, as you're both focused on Christ looking up, then you guys are united, you know, the other way around. And it's so true. It's like one of the best pieces of marriage advice I would give to somebody because it is true. As you're focused on the Lord, you guys will walk side by side. And Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ are not going to lead you astray. So in, in practical terms, what, is that, what does that actually look like? I think that looks like decisions that you're making in your family and how you're going to guide your children. So just to preface, Kevin and I have been married three and a half years. Okay, so we're... We have one child. She's one. So we're not seasoned veterans. Okay. (laughs) So just take it with a grain of salt. But I feel like there's been decisions we've made thus far in our marriage together that we come together and we counsel with each other and then we counsel with the Lord. And I guess an example of that could be something as simple as, okay, are we going to spend this $1,500 
to repair our car? Or are we going to take that $1,500 and get a different car, right? Put it towards something else. And it seems so simple, but it, it can be temp. It seems silly because it's temporal, but it is a big financial decision and you're trying to be financial stewards, right? And so right. There, there's a practical example right there. We decided, I think we're going to, at the time we decided, I think we're going to go ahead and repair the car. Right. Right. And so we prayed, we asked the Lord and we felt it was, he was okay with it. So we moved forward. What's interesting is that that is, that seems to be purely a temporal uh, issue, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's just a worldly thing. Like, well, any, any two people could come together and discuss, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and kind of counsel financially, like with financial stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the reason that we were able to make that decision so quickly after we had the conversation is because we took it to the Lord and we felt good about the situation. We knew we had faith that if the Lord didn't want us to do that, or if he was going to warn us or direct us otherwise, one of us would feel something amiss with that decision that we'd made. We felt nothing. Really, we, we felt nothing. Right. So we pulled the trigger. What's awesome is that the Lord could have then taught us something along the way. We could have paid for the car to be repaired and then gotten into a a wreck on the highway. And we're like, hang on a second. What, why did he do that? But again, we would have learned something. We would have, we would have learned more about one another. We we would have learned something from the Lord. Um, I guess the, the reason that I'm, I'm kind of prying at this is that the reason that I believe that a man and a woman married and and then also sealed in the temple, the reason that they're able to, or the reason that they should work in unity is because they're, they're kind of responsible for themselves, like one another individually, but they're also responsible for one another, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, Shelby, you really are, I was about to say, you really are my help me. I wanted to make sure that, because we've said that word a couple of times. Yeah. And we have a few distinct um, definitions of that word. So actually, I tried to find it in the Eternal Family Institute manual, like where it was exactly. But years ago, we were taking the Eternal Family class and a uh, a translation, if you will, of that word help me came out to equal savior. So an equal savior. And we think of saviors on Mount Zion. Um, what I did find from a, uh, a source in the gospel library, it's from a, a September 2020 enzyme. And it's an article called Help Meet Women's Power to Serve. And it gives um, a brief translation of the original Hebrew of Help Meet. And it says that that help is translated correctly, but in a distinct way. In English, a helper is sometimes thought of as someone in low position. But this Hebrew word describes strength. It suggests that the individual has power to rescue others, rescue, savior, equal, Mm. right? Yeah. 
And that was such a powerful, uh, you know, thing to learn. And now when you, Shelby and I, we call each other help me all the time because we're gospel dorks. <laughs> um, but because we know what it means, it has, it, it reminds us. It's true. There is an, an example where we were first married and Kevin said, I have an op- opportunity for you to be my help me. I need you to come pick me up because my car, I don't know what happened. Something happened. We keep giving car examples, but like. <laughs> That's always, our, our married friends listening and those in relationships, are they understand. Yeah, that's true. But with using it and understanding it correctly. And I think there's power in pointing out when you are a help meet, when you are that person to come help that, help your spouse. It It's, it's, it's strengthening. Right. It's empowering. Now I knew, I know we gave an example. You asked me about an example earlier about what does that look like? Like actually putting the Lord in the, in the, in the center of your marriage and in the focus of your marriage. We gave an example temporarily. Can you think of any other example spiritually where you put him first or where we put him first? I almost feel like there's so many examples that my brain can't actually calculate and find one. Um, you know, I think the decision we had made some decisions before we were married about what we were going to do as a family. And one of them was making it to the temple once a month. And except for when the temples were temporarily closed for COVID-19, uh, quarantines and lockdowns, we've pretty much kept that, that agreement. I don't want to say agreement, uh, that, that desire, desire, Mm -hmm. right. We've kept it as a, as a point of importance in our marriage. And, you know, when we have a decision to make as a family that is temporal, uh, like more, more big deals that, and nothing is only temporal, and that's why we take it to the temple. Mm-hmm. We've gone to the temple several times to, you know, just go through a session or do ceilings and then, you know, be in the temple to receive revelation. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel that that's a way that we've put him, uh, the Lord, at the center of our marriage. I also wanted to uh, just mention that understanding that we are a partnership um as as mother and father to our daughter, we already know that we need to uh, be that united front when dealing with children, right? Yeah. Who are emotional or, you know, immature and, and these things we have, even when we may not agree on something, we have to be unified and, and really figure it out later, figure out between us later what, we need to do. It's true. And that's a decision. You know, these are the conversations you can have. These are practical uh, examples, I guess, that we're, we're giving that can actually make a big difference in a marriage. And we can only say that because we have been doing them and it does make a difference in our marriage, right? We know, we know when we're off track a little bit. We know when we're not perfect and we need to kind of recenter, refocus. 
And we also know when we're on the right track and we're doing pretty good because we feel that reassurance. You know what I mean? Yeah, I really do. I, I love that you mentioned that because I thought, what a great way to evaluate um, as a couple, you know, where, where you're at on the continuum or, or on the, on the spirituality level, I guess you could say, like you said, you know, when we're off, like when we've, when we're not necessarily working in unity, mm-hmm. it's so apparent because normally things are going well and we are working in unity. And when things start to, uh, when, when the, the gears need some grease, if you will, we know the source to go to. Which is Christ. Yeah. To, to straighten us out, help us, help us keep going and moving forward. And the thing is, things could be going well. Hard does not equal bad. Oh, for sure. So although things may be hard, we are still a well-functioning machine, constantly trying to adjust and keep going, right? And so just like you give your car an oil change, sometimes you got to do a little checkup together in your partnership. Now, all of this is said to be able to help us divinely fulfill our roles as mother and father Mm -hmm. in raising and rearing children. And so- I think the reason we focus so much on what are the things that you can do as a couple is because as you do those things, your children are directly impacted by your efforts as a couple. They will feel it. They will know it. And I wanted to talk about, okay, I have something to read real quick. It's from the family proclamation. It says happiness in family life is most likely to be achieved when founded upon the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Successful marriages and families are established and maintained on principles of faith, prayer, repentance, forgiveness, respect, love, compassion, work, and wholesome recreational activities. Just so y'all know, I pulled that up. I highlighted it. I gave it over to Shelby because what she was saying went so well because it it was almost like for a moment you were trying to figure out, okay, well, how did we get on this, uh, this topic of working together uh, as a unified couple? Like, Oh, right. Because if you do that, you can more successfully rear a family. Yeah. Your family for sure. And the, the last thing I'll say right here, I'll let you go. Um, I don't want to put too fine a point on this. And if, if those listening have too much to disagree with me on this, definitely let us know and I'll, I'll do some more studying because this is very off the cuff, but, and maybe it's just because I'm a new dad, right? I have a, you know, we have a one-year-old daughter, but it's really becoming more clear to me that this whole thing is just to bring Heavenly Father's spirit children into the into the world and give them the best chance at getting back to to him, right? And all these other things kind of start falling away when you when you strip it down and look at it. And of course those other things are important. So you have to slap some of those back on there and say, okay, well, we we also I need I need to do some things for myself and my spouse has some things that they need to do and um and we have desires that could be you know 
described as temporal, right? Worldly um, desires, but it's all um, an opportunity to consecrate it to giving these children that, that best chance. Yeah, that I 100% agree. Because as you focus on yourself and your marriage together, right? As you focus on that, it's just, it will directly affect your children. It doesn't matter if it's in the negative way or in the positive way. There will be consequences on how you operate together and that will affect your children. And so that's why I think it's so important to take a step back and figure it out and just kind of do a little inventory with your spouse. Now, I felt inspired to bring this up. Um, When you're on a mission, you have a companionship inventory every week. And part of that companionship inventory is to describe your partner's strengths and maybe some of their weaknesses too. But you always start with strengths and weaknesses are seen as areas to improve. And whenever Kevin and I talk about this, we we were really good at doing it weekly. I would say we do it about monthly now. Um, but when you bring up a weakness, my advice is to not bring up that weakness unless you have a proposed solution to it. Because if you just bring up a weakness and you have no solution, all you're doing is complaining. <laughs> so that's something to, to think about. And it really helped me identify what am I just complaining about that I need to get over, (laughs) right? And so that helps in a marriage tremendously, having a companionship inventory. Now, this creates, I wanted to talk about this definition of um, what he talks about in his talk. Elder Soros talks about interdependence. And he says, I have to read a little bit back in the quote to get to the word, but here it is. It says, Through the temple ceiling, a woman and a man enter the holy order of matrimony and the new and everlasting covenant. By way of this order of priesthood, they are given eternal blessings and divine power to direct their family affairs as they live according to the covenants they have made. From that point on, they move forward interdependently and in full partnership with the Lord, especially in regard to each of their divinely appointed responsibilities of nurturing and presiding in their family. So immediately, and maybe it's the the therapist in me, but inter interdependence. I thought, what is what does that mean? Because I thought of when I read it, I don't know why, I thought of codependence, which is the complete opposite. And then what is actual dependence? What does that mean? What are these definitions? So let's start with what dependence is. Okay. The definition of dependence is the state of relying on or being controlled by someone or something else. So in this context, our dependence is on our Savior, Jesus Christ, right? Um, And when we mix in the term interdependence, it's basically bringing in two or more people of of a dependence on somebody else, right? Like an interdependence. That's a healthy interdependence, right? Because everything in that dependence is working in unity and everybody is helping each other, right? I am helping my husband. The Lord is helping me. The Lord is helping my husband. And we're all fully trying to work together in unity, just like Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. Now, where it can get tricky is when you codependence is something where there's excessive like emotional or physiological reliance on a partner um, that 
typically is, you know, on account of some type of illness or addiction. And so you want to be aware that you can stand independently as yourself, but you are very heavily interdependent on your spouse and the Lord in a healthy way. And so whenever codependent starts to slip in, um, it's a good chance to try to evaluate where you are and what you can work on to help the the interdependence overall in this little triangle between your spouse and the Lord. And I do have to say, we have been talking a lot about couples here, and there are definitely those listening that are single mothers and single fathers. And Elder Soros gave a wonderful, I feel like I should just read that because he says a better. Yeah, go go listen to the talk or, or read the talk for sure. I mean, and we, we can only speak from our experience, right? The Lord, he knows everyone's needs and, and everyone's circumstances perfectly. And, you know, of course, there's there's a model for what it's supposed to be and what it's supposed to look like. The outcome of applying the righteous principles found in the family, a proclamation to the world, those principles can be applied in any circumstance yeah. if you first love the Lord and then you love your neighbor. Yeah. And that's exactly what he says as you read it. It's towards the end of the talk. He just says that these two examples of a man and a woman who are raising their children single, um, they do not lose sight of their temple covenants with the Lord. And that's the key right there. Whether you're in a marriage or you're not, you're always focused on your temple covenants, which are powerful. And President Nelson is always talking about them. I don't really have much more to say about this talk besides this is a great talk to study with your spouse together and kind of take an inventory of where you are and and set some goals as a couple to improve yourselves together and it will help your family. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of the Conference Talk podcast. This episode, we discussed Elder Soares' talk called In Partnership with the Lord. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a five-star rating. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere else you get podcasts. You can find all the links to all of our podcast platforms on our website, conferencetalk.org. Conferencetalk.org is also where you can follow us on social media. Drop us a comment and check out our show notes. You can find the resources we also mentioned in today's episode and learn more about us, your hosts. If you want to follow us, your hosts, Kevin Shelby Stanfill, you can find us at the Book of Mormon podcast on Instagram. And we also we host a, a weekly podcast called the Book of Mormon podcast. And you can find that on Spotify, iTunes, all those other places too. While we always appreciate new followers, it's better to follow the prophet and the apostles themselves. Yep. Although we love speaking about the church and our leaders, we do not speak for them. Everything said on this podcast represents our own personal opinions. So join us next week for some more personal opinions, wink, wink, on the Conference Talk podcast.